Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Snow the Goalie. 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 Is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. Anthony. Anthony, are you there? Is this really our open, Russ? Anthony, <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Are you there? Hi, Russ. No, that's too loud. Anthony, are you there? Hi, Russ. Hi, Anthony. It's been a month. <laughs> it has been a month since Snow the Goalie has found its way into your podcast feed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. After a month-long hiatus, we are back. It is Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Presidential podcast, the Pedialyte podcast, the Prognosticators podcast, the Pampers podcast, the Presidential podcast, the Postmortem podcast, and the Playoff podcast. Playoffs? I'm Russ Joy. Find me on Twitter at Joy on Broad, and I'm joined, as always, by the Sage of Philadelphia Flyers Twitter. The Sage of Philadelphia Flyers beat writers. And that, of course, is Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly. Anthony. Um, it's great to be back, Russ. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle again. It's great. No, mm. seriously, it's, it's good to be back. We've had to... Uh, uh, a variety of reasons that we've kind of you know missed out. We talked about we weren't going to do one every week. We were going to try and do one every other week, and then uh, we we missed a week, and then it was like oh we should we got to make up make it up because we were supposed to do it last week, and then schedules kind of conflicted last week, and now here we are a month out, and it's like oh crap, we got to get this done. So um, we even missed a week on crossed uh, crossed up, and we blamed you. You know that the right? only Phillies podcast I listened to it. Of course I did. I giggled. Yeah. Yeah, we blamed you because you yeah. know so- the soccer podcast was more important. But I just um, want everybody to know, like I, I am still doing research into whether or not Cross Up is the only Phillies podcast. To my knowledge, right now it is, um, and I'm going to continue to call it that. But um, you know, you and Bob doing great work as always. A yeah. uh, new episode dropped on uh, Tuesday night. When no, I'm sorry, it was uh, Wednesday morning. It went yeah. up, and uh, as as uh, is the case for all of the shows on the Crossing Bob Podcast Network, it's now available on Spotify. As is Snow the Goalie. So if you're playing your PS4 where you hop in the car and you have Spotify integrated into your uh, beautiful automobile, by all means, find us there. It's nice. It's, it's good. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's so, yeah, we had, we've had a little bit of a, of a hiatus. Uh, we wrapped up the season um, and uh, had a, like a, a follow-up to that with the, the hiring of Elaine Vigneault. Uh, we never really talked about the assistant coaches. I know it's a little late at this point to really kind of dive into that, but we'll, we'll touch on that just a little bit tonight. But one thing I, I really want to kind of look ahead to um, is what's coming up for the Flyers, and uh, the first thing is going to be the draft. Draft. Um, draft is uh, uh, a little more than a month away. Out in and Vancouver. Out in Vancouver. If we have any uh, wealthy – Listeners late, or anybody who has uh, who has miles that, that they deadline. want to donate to the cause, or by all means. For credentials was on Monday. Uh, no, we can still go. We'll just uh, we'll kind of do what DX once did to WCW Monday Nitro. We'll just sit outside with like a megaphone and a tank, <laughs> and we'll just uh, 
We'll just cause mayhem from the outside. We'll yeah. have to have uh, the Flyers draft pick come outside. And, yeah. 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 So we'll talk, a, we'll talk a little bit about the Flyers draft, a little bit about the assistant coaches. We'll dive into the playoffs. The Stanley Cup Finals is set. The Boston Bruins against the St. Louis Blues. And there's a great story with the St. Louis Blues. I'm sure a lot of hockey fans have heard it, but I, I know you haven't gotten all the details of it yet. So I'll be happy to tell that story because it's got a real Philadelphia tie. That's not necessarily the coach and a couple of the players that are on the team uh, who used to be here with the Flyers. So, uh, that's a cool little thing. That and sounds then, like a glorious segment. Uh, it will be a glorious segment. We'll play. Let's we'll get a little Gloria going, and uh, and then also at the very end, just for our uh, cr- crossover fans, we got to we got to touch. We can on talk that. about Adubel Herrera. You're right. No, 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 no. We got to no? t- talk about another dumpster fire, and that was the end. Not of Not the Philadelphia game, Union. The Who end of the game. <laughs> the end of Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> well, you know why? Because we've and the reason I felt like we needed to really touch on Game of Thrones uh, on this podcast is every Can't time wait. we interview somebody on from the Flyers organization, we ask about what they're watching on TV. And invariably, you try and you know dig, throw in there. You've thrown in, hey, you watching Game of Thrones or whatever, blah blah blah. So it's kind of like I know you're a, a Game of Thrones guy. I've watched every episode. Uh, we've asked Paul some Holmgren other players if they was are. a uh, was a fl- was a, uh, a Game of Thrones guy. Yeah, you called him a White Walker. Stop. <laughs> I just think it got lost in translation. I yes, which prompted the response. <laughs> From Paul Holmgren submitted through through a spokesman for the team that said uh, Paul really Anthony Paul really appreciated the words that you said at the end of your podcast the words Russ said not so much <laughs> I was lovely and delightful as always oh, it was fantastic I would like to have Paul back on specifically just to find out how he felt about uh, the end of the White Walkers and uh, and Game of Thrones in general season eight we hardly knew ye was here and gone <sighs> all right we'll get to it yeah we'll get to that too we will. Um, and then uh, we have a new five-star review, even though we haven't we been do. on for a month. So we'll get to that as well. It came from um, a month ago. Yes. It was t- two it's days true. after the last episode. All right. It's all you good. But, uh, Look, what, did you, what do people expect? I, we've, we've had a few of our super fans reaching out to us the last couple of weeks saying, hey, are we going to get a new episode? And we've been like, yeah, we're going to try to get it to work out. This is the thing. And I, I, I mean this in the most loving and sincere way to anybody who listens to the show. And there are thousands of you, which is pretty cool. Um, like at some point, as the season wraps up, there's not a whole lot to talk about. And unless, now look, if if you're listening to the show and you're like, hey, we want coverage of the worlds, then fine. Like, we'll we'll put out a weekly show and we'll specifically target any of the Flyers who are playing in worlds right now. We can do that. That's totally fine. But there, there was little to no purpose in us coming on every week or, or even to some extent every other week to talk about restrictive free agency again, which everybody knows I'm a... I'm a big believer in. I actually have a bet going with Russ Cohen right now. I just have to figure out exactly what it is that we're wagering. He is of the belief uh, that there are going to be no offer sheets signed by anyone. It sounds like not just the Flyers, by anyone. So I wanted to place a friendly wager, a Russ and Russ wager. So uh, I don't know if you want to get in on that, Anthony, but uh, you know, I think it's I think it's going to be intense. Isn't there really only one side or the other? Yeah. But I mean, so you, you what can, am I going to do? Can, am I going to offer side, the third, you can side, the third listen, option? You can, you can side with Russ or you can side with Russ. I'll side with That's Russ. That's what you can do. Okay. That's smart. Play, yeah, smart. I'll side with Head Russ. your bets. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, we, we just didn't want to, like, the, there was no point in coming on and, and kind of recycling the same talking points that we had throughout the season and at the end. So, I mean, we took a month and apologies if it, uh, if it broke your heart. Hopefully, um, you know, you found your way back and I'm sure you did. And uh, well, I'm, I, I don't know where else we go. We're the only Flyers podcast. So, you know. <laughs> it, it goes as we go. So anyway, uh, let's let's get into the assistant coaches. Uh, or is there anything else that you want to talk about about uh, us being away? Anything fun happening in your life? Uh, 
yeah, this I won't call this fun, but uh, I've now uh, I, I now have to when I'm sitting in front of a computer screen, I now have to wear reading glasses. Oh, yeah, how you like that? And getting be, old. It's not it has nothing to do with getting old. I had. It, have you ever heard of a Chalazian? A who? Okay, probably not. So what it is is I I had a um uh a, I guess an um. I don't even know how to describe it. But like you tell me you had a seizure, and I'm going to be no, sad. No, 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 okay. no. There was there, we all have like we have like little oil glands in our eyelids. Okay. Um, and I had one that. Welcome to ocular anatomy with yeah, San Filippo. I had one that that kind of I don't know if it got infected or if it got clogged or whatever, and it formed like this little um, pea-sized bump on my eyelid, and it's called a chalazion, and it, it needs to be removed. Uh, or or go away um, through uh, some sort of medication, and so I went to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor flipped my eyelid inside out, right? Mm. Which was kind mm. of it didn't hurt, but it was weird. Mm. It felt really weird. Mm. Um, and he said that because of where it was located, he didn't want to cut it out. Mm. So he said, "We're just going to give you steroid." I said, "Anything will... fun? What is okay?" And he said, "We'll cut. We'll, we'll, we don't want to cut it out. We'll just give you a steroid to make it go away, a long-acting steroid." And so I'm thinking, "Okay, this is going to be like a topical steroid that I'm just, I'm just going to put on it for like a month, and it's going to eventually go away." Except that I'm like, "Okay, fine, no problem." And he's like, "All right, we're going to lay me back," and all of a sudden, I just see this needle coming toward my eye. <laughs> And lo and behold, the guy shot this steroid right into my eyelid, and I could feel it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the worst thing ever. It was like the sharp, burning pain for like 10 seconds, and then it went away, the pain. Um, But because of this, I have to constantly put this – and you you don't see any. It's like, like nothing that you can see, but I have to put this ointment in my eye every night and it causes a little bit of blurriness so when uh when you're looking at anything up close so when i'm in front of a computer screen i now have to wear glasses uh because of this so <clears throat> so yeah that's fun <laughs> i'm just did i knock you off your chair there russ you did i'm just i'm just, <laughs> I'm just... it's all good <laughs> Uh, you didn't go- know that the little, the little the little pee thing on your eyelid was actually Gautier. Yes, that's right. Didn't have go. to cut me out. That's nice. All right, anyway. Um, I was working way too hard for that. Anyway. You did. You did. I was, um, I'm, I'm impressed. Like, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. All right. It's not just for my good looks and my boyish charm. It's uh, <laughs> for moments like this. Anyway. So. Well, that was, uh, that was not fun. And uh, hopefully we had people hang on uh, and get through that. I might have to put a note in the uh, show notes. That says if you want to skip uh, Anthony's graphic description of a P-shaped thing on a chalazian, a chalazian, that kind of sounds like something that you would find at like an authentic Mexican restaurant. That's like it's like fusion now, <laughs> like it's actually Chilean. Pues es un chalaciano, entonces. Yes, exactly. All right, anyway, you can get away with saying that they're putting all in the family and the Jeffersons on TV now. So those were the days. Yeah, it's all good. So you can get away with it. Um, by the way, do we do we have to touch on? Um, there's a beat writer in Philadelphia who I, I'm pretty sure is still writing Kate Smith pieces. Do we have to? T- we're, we're not going to talk about that. Okay. No. Let's uh, let's move on. You didn't ask me if there's anything fun that happened in my life. It's okay. It's okay. What are we moving on to? All right. Um, let's see. <laughs> let's go to the assistant coaches because there were some. Uh, yeah. There it's... were some. There was some interesting. Hi- I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. I kind of like it. 
I kind of dig it. I kind of dig what the Flyers are doing. It's funny. It's funny it's, because we've... It's we've, not bad. We've kind of gone role reversal here, Russ, you and I. Over the course of the last year, since we've started Snow the Goalie, which has now been... Uh, we're into our 13th month uh, of this of this show. We're actually starting our 14th month of this show. Because uh, I think our first show was the end of March of 18. Um, in the course of 14 months, we have kind of shifted gears to the point where you've become Mr. Old School and I've become mm. a little bit more... I won't say I'm Mr. New School, but I'm a little bit more of uh, modern philosophy with with hockey. And I'll let you say why you're digging this. And I'll probably agree with a lot of what you say, but then tell you why I'm not yet digging it. But go ahead. You go first. Well, first of all, I enjoy French Canadians. Let me let me get that. <laughs> Only two of them. Right out of the way. All, all right, three first, if you first, count Lappy. Well, you got first you got uh, Elaine Vigneault, which is uh, that's good stuff. Uh, Michel Therrien, let me just say that um, in a worst-case scenario, if you don't like this, I, I think there's a few reasons. Maybe you're worried about um, some of the things that have, that have come out around Therrien in the past that um, he wasn't beloved, uh, to put it lightly, by players uh, at some of his last few stops. Maybe you hate him because he was a coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins, whatever. I, live your life. I look at it like this. You bring a few guys in that have head coaching experience and now you put them in charge of a special teams unit or you put them in charge of a specific part of the game plan and all of a sudden you have a very you know a very formidable staff right like some guys make better coordinators than they do coaches right than as head coaches and i'm not saying that terry and or yo are, are necessarily bad i'm i think you can argue in some way that they both brought good things to the table as a head coach but when you have a, a team like this Flyer squad was last year, that of course we've said many times is not going to be the same team that we saw at the end of last season. Um, when you have the amount of youth that this team does, when you have some of the immaturity that this team had, when you're able to go in and not only bring in the clout of Elaine Vigneault, but now you can bring in two guys in Yo and Tarion that have both been head coaches in this league. Tarion, I, I would you know say, has had more success than Yo. Um, I, I think this kind of helps to continue to provide the direction that Vigneault talked about so much in his introductory press conference, it likely increases the the buy-in from the players. Maybe they won't like, you know, at least one of these guys on a personal level, but they will believe that these guys at least know what they're talking about. It's different to have a guy who might be an up-and-coming assistant coach or somebody who came from the AHL as an assistant coach uh, coming up and joining the staff where you're skeptical of them and you think, hey, like, I've been in this league for eight years I don't need to listen to this dude who's like about my age, right? But when you have a few former head coaches on the bench, all of a sudden, you know, for better or worse, you know that they can find success in this league. Now, you could flip the argument the other way and say if they were good head coaches, they would still be head coaches, and that's fair. But I'm not opposed to this. I would much prefer seeing, you know, this team kind of fortify the leadership from the coaching side of, of things. Um, then go with a, a bunch of unknowns or a bunch of like retreads that I think would have been, you know, wildly unsuccessful. That's where I'm at. You're not far off. Yes. You're not. I, I think yes. that I think that your perspective is is very fair and measured. And I will and I will tell you right now, on we're recording on the evening of May twenty second, that if six weeks from now the Flyers have a team that fits the mold of these three veteran coaches, then this was fantastic. 
Because it could be. This could well turn out to be a really, really good move of bringing Vino, Terrian, and Yo together. Or it could be an abject disaster. I don't think there's a middle ground. And that's the thing that is, to me, a little bit of a risky proposition. I think this either is a overwhelming success or an epic failure. That could cost everybody their jobs. Okay? okay. Um, and that's that's what I that's where my concern is. And I start not so much with Mike Yo. Mike Yo is a fine guy. Um, from what I understand, players have always liked him wherever he's been, whether it's been as an assistant or as a head coach. He's pretty much like a, a player's kind of guy. He's going to be the assistant coach that the players go to talk to, right? When they're when they're unhappy with the head coach, that's the, that's who Mike Yo is going to be. That sounding board guy, right? Sure. Um, I, I, so I don't really have much issue there. Michelle Tarian. I, By the I, way, Mike Yo was a guy that a lot of people thought that Chuck Fletcher might want to bring in for an interview for the head coaching well, job because of their their history together in so, Minnesota. Well, but let me let me say that I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to, I was going to save this, but I'll I'll say it right now. What bo- another thing that bothers me is this was totally this whole coaching staff is totally a was a negotiation an internal negotiation and this is what they settled for and I'm not I don't like that either it's like to me Mike Yo was hired as an assistant coach because of his relationship with the general manager Chuck Fletcher so he's Chuck's assistant coach Elaine Vigno wanted Michelle Tarian because there's no other connection there really I mean yeah I I know Fletcher and and Tarian had a a brief past um uh, before, but nothing, nothing you know, as a scout or whatever he was doing, but nothing as a, a like a coaching on the coaching level. And Ian LaPerriere remains on the coaching staff because of he took to a puck to the face. Well, because he is a fly. No, right? he's, he's he's he's, he's got a guy. That, yeah, you were so, talking about a, an assistant coach. The guys are going to feel comfortable going to and still being a soundboard. Like it's, it's definitely going to be Lappy. It's going to be Lappy too. Yeah, but Lappy Lappy's more of the, he's going to take on the role of the eye in the sky, which is what Joe Mullen used to be. When Joey Mullen wasn't very on, on the bench very much. He was more up in the press box with us, um, watching the game from above and talking down. He used to talk to Craig Berube on the bench. Berube would wear an earpiece, and Joe Mullen would say, "Here's what I'm seeing," and they, that's how they would make adjustments on the fly. But so the so the, the 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 construction of the coaching staff is a little mishmash for me. It's like to me, you should if you're going to hire a coach, you should let the coach pick his assistants. I don't think that, I mean, especially if it's a veteran coach who's who's got the experience that Vino has. The fact that I think that they had to, that he only really got to pick one, and that the other two were kind of forced on him, eh, that that bothers me a little bit. But just to get to Michelle Tarian, he's a bad dude <laughs> for for players. It's, that doesn't mean he's a bad. No, you're not coach. saying he's a badass. You're saying he's he's not a good. Okay. Yeah, he's he is just. He's very old. when I say he's old school, he's old old school. He's of the, you know, the mindset where you just break a guy down and just lay into him for every little thing. This is going to work very well with the group that uh that, uh, well this is what I'm, this is what I'm getting at. This is what I'm getting at. And and secondly, he holds gr- grudges internally. Like Danny Briere is maybe the easiest guy in the history of hockey to get along with. I mean, there's not very many. He's certainly, of all the people that I've covered in 20 years, I, I put Danny at, you know, at number one. Um, and, and, you know, Brian Boucher, Justin Williams, um, you know, those kind of guys you know, are, are up there. Mike Knubel, um, 
you know, Pronger on a different level, but certainly still up there. Um, you know, but Danny Briere is salt of the earth, just a great human being on top of being a, a very good hockey player. And Danny knew he was near the end of his career when he was in Montreal, and he understood that he had to play a different kind of role. But he didn't he didn't deserve to be treated, you know, like like a pariah by the head coach. And it was it was not only obvious to Danny, it was obvious to all the players, and it was a, it was a mess. And no players don't like Michelle Tarian. And I know this from going back to the days when he was the coach of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and the Phantoms were playing against them in the playoffs. And um, after the the Phantoms beat the Penguins in the playoff series, um, some of the guys were in the hallway, and I'm not going to say who, but some of the players from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins had come down the hallway to congratulate the Phantoms players on the series win, and they were moving on to the next round to play the Providence Bruins, who were coached by Scott Gordon at the time, um, and you know came down and said, we couldn't be happier that our season's over so we can we don't have to be around Michelle Terrian anymore. Good luck to you guys the rest of the way. That's damning. That's some damning stuff. And... To hear that, and you sit there and say, "Well, why is this guy keep getting hired?" And it's got to be some kind of connections with whatever, you know. He does he hasn't had great success. He's had some success. He got the Penguins of the final in 08, Okay, um, never really won anything. Never really, you know, got far with anybody. Conference final with Montreal one year. Eh. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I just worry that his act is not going to sit, not going it's not to sit work. well. It won't work well with this locker room. But again. Yeah. This but locker, locker room, room is not going to be. It's not going to be the same locker room. That's let the me, thing. So let me let me throw a couple things out. Uh, one, do you think that there's there's any thought here on the part of the organization, whether it's Chuck Fletcher, it's Elaine Vigneault, whoever, um, that this becomes something where free agents might start to take this team a little bit more seriously? Not only because it's the Flyers, not only because you know of the the history of the organization and the history of how supportive the team is, yada yada yada. But like now, as you're looking at a coaching staff, you say, all right, three former head coaches, uh, one who's gone to Stanley Cup finals with multiple teams. Like, is there a thought that like from that perspective as a player, maybe you say like, I'd rather go with a known commodity and what these guys are in addition to the money and the annual uh, the annual value and the uh, years that are being offered, perhaps more than anybody else is going to offer. Like, is there a little bit of credibility there? Is there well, is there th- anything from a playing player's perspective that you say, all right, yeah, like I I I I'm in the prime or towards the end of my prime, and like it's time to uh, to go for it. And this coaching staff puts me in position to do it. I I think that's a fair question to ask, Russ, because I could see, the reason I think it's a fair question to ask is because I could see if the Flyers went in a different direction, and maybe let's just say, just out of the blue, let's say that they hired um, Sheldon Keefe. Uh, who Toronto Marley's coach, um, who's a really top-end prospect uh, that I think might eventually replace Mike Babcock in Toronto if somebody doesn't offer him a job before then. Um, but let's just say like that they went that down that path, and you went with a, a you know another not unknown but a you know a young inexperienced coach bringing in some assistants who eh, maybe don't inspire as much and onto a, into a franchise that hasn't won a playoff series in seven years. And then maybe you look at that as a, as a free agent and say, eh, is that, do I want to go there? Is that going to, is that going to turn around real quick? I don't know. You, you might think about it for a second. Not to say that, that the coach, the coaching is the difference maker when you're weighing options that are 
pretty similar. But in a situation like that, with this organization being where it is, I could see it maybe possibly being a deterrent. And when you add Vino, Tarion, Yo, I don't necessarily sit there and say that think that a free agent's going to say, "Oh, yeah, I want to go play for those guys." But at the very least, it does it 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 takes the the element of yeah, they're still far away out of the out of the decision making process. You know what I'm saying? So the, yeah. I think that's the one thing. I, I don't think that you might get a couple guys who maybe played for. Um, Elaine Vino or played for Mike Yo. I don't think you're gonna get anybody who played for Terry and who goes, Oh, I want to go be with that guy again. But I think if you if you you might get a couple guys who've played with with those guys who who might consider Philly because they, they like playing for those guys as coaches. Um but I don't think that that's a you know top this top option or you know final decision maker for a player, you know, who the coach is. They want to go okay. somewhere where they have a chance to win and where they can make some money. So let me throw this out to you because you had you kind of said before maybe the dynamic of of a former head coach being an assistant coach could have caused problems. I think you were kind of alluding to that. So I I wanted to bring up a couple of instances and I'm going to take off the table, you know, like the the succession kind of plan. So I'm going to go cross sports. So this isn't going to be like Ryan Sandberg replacing Charlie Manuel. This isn't going to be like the 17 times that a Philadelphia Union coach has replaced another one. Um, there are three that come to mind. Uh, Doug Peterson hiring Jim Schwartz. Right. Like that was a uh, that was a move that people thought could have been either. It's brilliant because you're getting Jim Schwartz out of being a head coach where he was pretty unsuccessful, putting him back as a defensive coordinator where he was very successful. Um, And then there was the thought that, well, you know what, if it goes poorly, it could be that Schwartz is going to undermine Peterson. We saw what happened. They won a Super Bowl. I look at Brett Brown and Monty Williams. Monty Williams is a guy who came in, a former head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, a guy who went on to take a front office role, I think it was a senior vice president role uh, with the San Antonio Spurs, where Brett Brown had had um, you know coached under Greg Popovich before. He came in, kind of solidified, I thought, the assistant coaching uh, side of things for the Sixers. He's since gone on to uh, to take another job. And the and I, I would say that there was some success found there. I can't point to what exactly it was that Monty Williams brought to the table that necessarily might have gotten the Sixers to the next level, but it was a good move, and it didn't lead to an undermining of Brett Brown. The one that maybe is a... Uh, it, well, it's certainly a to be, to be seen what is going to happen, and it was something that the national media ripped apart, and rightfully so, was the hiring by the Lakers of Frank Vogel, former head coach of the Indiana Pacers, where he found a lot of success, and the Orlando Magic, where he did not find much. And the fact that the organization wanted to hire Jason Kidd, originally, potentially, as a head coach, and, um, uh, you know, ultimately chose not to, but it seemed like they kind of forced Jason Kidd to be Frank Vogel's assistant coach, and there's a thought that perhaps it's going to undermine. Now, I think the difference here with the Flyers is, you're not bringing in Elaine Vigneault with the idea of, hey, we're not totally sold on this guy, so let's get Michelle Therrien in or Mike Yo in, and if things go poorly, we're going to like pull the cord on Vigneault early, right? So it's not necessarily a, a perfect example, but I think we've seen in, in a few other sports that like sometimes it does work, and sometimes if you're allowing a guy to go back, go back to brass tacks and pick one aspect of the team to really focus on, bringing that together with the multitasking that you have to do and the time commitment that you have to you know, have that is certainly an increase in your time commitment to the sport as a head coach. Now you're channeling all that energy and all of that drive and ability into doing one real aspect of the team as an assistant coach. Like, I think there's a chance it works. That was it all. could. It could also, it could just as easily implode. Um, and the reason that, that I, 
you know, like I look at it and say, well, why is Michelle Terrian here? Elaine Vigno wanted him. And here's the interesting thing, because they got roles that we didn't quite expect. Um, they, they are, they're doing, they're doing, uh, coaching different aspects of the team that we didn't think we, they kind of shuffled it around a little bit. Elaine Vigno is going to coach the defenseman and the penalty kill. What has been the biggest problem for this team the last couple of years? The defense and the penalty kill. And the defense making the same mistakes over and over again. And the penalty kill being one of the worst in the NHL. Even though it got uh, really good in the second half of last season. Um, it still never really rose above, you know, what? I think they finished 18th, 19th, something like that in the NHL. Um, so I look at that and I say, Vino wants Tarion in here because he ain't going to take any crap. He's going to let these these guys know that they stink. He's going to tell them how terrible they are. He's going to tell them that they shouldn't be out, you know, late at night. They should be <clears throat> going to bed and getting up in the first thing in the morning and being in practice. Like, he's going to do all that nonsense too, right? And I think that Vino looks at that and says, that's how we're going to get these guys to take the next step that they need to take because they're so young. And I say, okay, fine. But does today's generation of player – respond to that i don't know i just don't know and i see i don't just say that with with this flyers team or the nhl i say that with all across all sports the way that they have to be coached and managed and like you see it and you sit there and say you know you see it in football you see it in basketball you don't see it as much in baseball because there's a real like minor league system there yeah. Um, so they, they, it's, you know, you start coaching them up before they really get to the, the big club. But, um, you, you, you know, when you see these young players in these sports and then the coaches are on them and it's just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, they, like, I don't think that they care. I don't think this generation cares for that. And so if, if Michelle Terrian comes in and starts, you know, cracking the whip, or, how are they going to respond? Like, are they going to sit there and be like, oh man, we got better do what he says. Or are they just going to be like, screw that guy. He's a jerk. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I tend to think more the latter than the former. I don't disagree with you. I, I don't have anything else to say to it. I think you're like, I, I just wonder if this team doesn't end up getting the kind of push towards being a more veteran squad for next year. If it's just a miscalculation on the part of the front office. Like if you're unable to go out, say that like Eric Carlson really is the target. Right, and that was something that we talked about at the end of the season. That the the word in the organization was that Carlson was going to be a guy that they were really going to focus in on. If you're not able to go out and get a guy like him, and you start striking out on a few guys, and let's say, and this won't happen, but let's say you don't make any offer sheets and nobody accepts the offer sheets because you don't extend them. At what point do you have to sit back and say like maybe this was uh, this was the wrong move? Because if if this team is nearly as young as it was last year and you've got a guy like Michelle Terry in there like I I this is not this is not oil and water right like this is uh this is even worse so I don't know I I wonder now this is the thought Vigneault has had some people come out and say how much they enjoyed playing for him but I wouldn't say that he was the most popular coach in NHL history uh what do you think about the idea that Vigneault brought in Terrian so that everybody would hate Terrian and like him more <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't. That sounds. Vino's uh, a very smart guy. Yeah, he knew exactly yeah. what was up. If he brought in a bunch of guys that uh, that players used to rave about as assistant coaches or head coaches elsewhere, 
he was going to be the most hated guy in town. Terry and everybody can just blame. If things go sideways and and the word leaks out that the locker room is unhappy, everybody's going to blame Terry. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I, well I, done, Vino. Well yeah, done. I, I don't know. I'm not buying. I'm not buying that that Russ take there. It's, uh, I'm not saying it's my take. I'm just throwing it out there as yeah, a possibility. No, I, I don't. See anyway, it. I think that's a, that's a little Machiavellian. Let's get off these assistant <laughs> coaches, me. shall we? Let's move on to the future of the Philadelphia Flyers. Yes. And, and no, I'm not talking about Mitch Marner. It's possible. No, I'm not talking about Casper uh, Kapanen. That will happen. I'm talking about the NHL draft taking place in Vancouver. <sighs> Was looking forward to going out to Vancouver, Anthony. We're not going. Maybe yeah. we will. Maybe we will. Who knows? No. Sit outside of the arena. I, th- I have a feeling that you know who the Flyers are targeting. Well, I... <laughs> we've, got, we've got mock drafts galore, and I don't care about mock drafts. I want to know yeah. from the man who's got his ear to the ground, from the man who typically breaks the story who are the flyers looking at well it was funny because uh, last year i remember i was at a wedding on the on the night of the first round of the draft and i texted you <laughs> from the wedding because i'm sitting there and i'm actually at a wedding I, I gotta be careful how i say this um i'm at a wedding and at the wedding is somebody aff- affiliated with the flyers oh and Oh, <laughs> and while we're there, like we're constantly checking the draft. And I had said to this person the same thing that I had said to you that they were looking at Joel Farabee. And no matter what you kept hearing from all the mock drafts and all the experts and what everybody was writing, that the Flyers really wanted Farabee. And they were they were unsure that he was going to fall to them. Like they thought he might go in a couple picks beforehand. And then he started to slide a little bit, slide a little bit, slide. And they were like, oh, my God, we might actually get the guy. And then they got him. And I felt like a genius for, for getting that, right? Mm-hmm. And that was because someone had told me that's who they wanted. Well, the same mm-hmm. someone who told me. It's not the person who was at the wedding, by the way. But uh, the same person who told me that they wanted Joel Farabee has told me a name for this year. Ooh. Unfortunately. They can't have Jack Hughes. Yes. No. Yeah, they can't have Jack Hughes. Uh, or Capo Caco. Um, unfortunately, this name is also uh, in at least one mock draft. So somebody else has put this out there as well. Um, so I, I, I can't sit here and tell you that it's some exclusive inside information because apparently someone else is – well, I, because the person who's uh, that's got this is, is a pretty good uh, – pretty good at picking these things. Uh, it's Craig Button for TSN. Um, so it tells me that he's probably got the same or similar, or not the same, but similar uh, uh, information as to, you know, who teams are looking at. Um, and the answer is Peyton Krebs, uh, who played for um, the Winnipeg Ice in the WHL uh, this past season. Uh, was on uh, yeah, Canada's – he was Canada's uh, world junior team uh captain um he's he's a really good skater he's a center um could play a little left wing if you need him to um he's not 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 real big but he's not small he's like perfect size actually for hockey he's like 511 um and uh guy can freaking skate i mean he is a very very fast skater uh, he can, he's one of those kind of guys who will get, you know, get around a defenseman quick 
and then somehow, just as soon as he beats a defenseman, like on the circle, can make that cut to the net. You know what I'm saying? He's got that kind of like that kind of speed and, and skill with his with his skates, um, and I think that's his greatest asset. Um, but he's also uh, a very good passer. Um, uh, it makes makes really good passes. Um, he's okay defensively. He's not the greatest defensive player, but he's not going to kill you. He's not. It's not a liability. Um, he's he's definitely you know he needs to he needs to put on. He's going to have to put on some weight. I think he's at one eighty one, but he's only eighteen. Um, so uh, you know if you're looking for a comp. Style-wise, what's been out there in a couple of places, they compare him to uh, Matthew Barzal from uh, the, the Islanders. Uh, I don't, I'm not certain that he's going to be as good a scorer as Barzal is, um, but I certainly see why that people compare him to him because of the way he, the way he plays, the, the, the level he plays at. Um, I'm just not sure he has that skill. He did put up 68 points in 64 games for Winnipeg in the WHL, but the WHL is usually a higher scoring league. So to just be a little over one point per game probably tells me he's he's not a I don't know I don't think he's a top line guy. He's probably a second line guy uh, down the road. But I also think that he's got the maturity to be a guy that could be a quick riser, and I, I can see him being in the in the NHL sooner. You know, not maybe not as a, his first year. Um, but maybe towards the end of, of year two or at the, definitely by the start of year three um, when he's a 20-year-old, I can see him um, you know, getting his crack uh, at the NHL. So that's the name that I wanted to throw out to you. Um, Say that name again. Peyton Krebs. Can I call him Krabs? Peyton Krebs? Mr. Krebs? Yeah. <laughs> How you feeling it now, Mr. Krebs? <laughs> I'm feeling a warm spot. Sorry. Are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Are you feeling it? Uh, I'm feeling it, SpongeBob. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's enough. <laughs> How about now, Mr. Krabs? Yeah. Hey, g- 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 so anyway, there's so many T-shirts to be made. Yeah. So uh, I would say if you're if you want to get excited about a player, um, I mean, there's a, there's going to be other names that you're going to hear, and and rightfully so because the Flyers pick at eleven, right? So. A yeah, lot so can happen. Bef- yeah, well, you know. actually, we got a bunch of questions about it. Bill Leonard at Major78 asked if uh, Chuck Fletcher will trade their number one pick. Um, we also had a question from Chris Naffy at Chris Kringle, 1977, who asked, do you think the Flyers keeper trade the 11th pick? And uh, asked who they like if uh, they could be available. We already said that Mr. Krabs is going to be the pick. So what do you think the odds are that the Flyers move up? There is one guy that I find that's interesting. I don't think the Flyers are going to move up high enough to get one of the you know the elite players. And it's a three-man elite draft at this point. The Devils are going to take Jack Hughes. The Rangers are going to take Capo Caco. And I'm pretty sure. Do you the think sh- the rumors about about the Devils targeting Caco uh, are just meant to be a misdirection? Yeah, I think they're going okay. to take. I think they're going to take Hughes. Okay. I really do. Um, and I think that the Blackhawks at three are going to take um, Bo and Byram, the best defenseman on the board. Um, after that, I think it gets it gets interesting. Um, believe it or not, and this is for Phillies fans, there's a Dylan Cousins in this draft. Hey, so is this guy going to miss the rest of the season too, or no? No, um, no he's a he's a see that a, that was a, good knowledge. That was good, good. knowledge out of me. Uh, he's a Poor center. Um, played plays in Lethbridge. 
um, in WHL, uh, but he's a big guy. He's got some size. Um, he's like six three. Um, he's a, he's an interesting name that I think that you know could interest the Flyers. I think they're going to go forward. I really do. I, I think that they're looking. I mean, you know, every team always says, "Well, we take the best player available." You know, but there's more. There's more talent at the top end of this draft, the top 15, 20 picks at forward than there is a defense. So um, the other name that's really kind of interesting um, is uh, Vasily Podkulzin, um, the the Russian who at the beginning of the season was widely considered, um, along with Hughes and Kako, like as the three elite forwards in the draft and they're going to be far and away above everyone else. It's those three and then everybody else. And then he had a terrible season, um, had an injury, uh, really just didn't have a good year. There were some questions about his game and, uh, a lot of people now see him sliding down the draft board. I, I would be, I would be, you know, he's 18, right? I mean, so, uh, when you have a player who at 15, 16, 17 was widely considered one of the top talents in the world, and then he has a bad 18-year season, if he's sliding down to you at, at 11 and he's there for you to choose, I have a hard time passing up on him. I really do. I have a hard time going, yeah, no, nah, let's let's stick with, stick with what we like and yeah, this guy will let him go to the next team. I guess I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so that's that's that one's an interesting one. So no, the, but the question you asked, will they trade the pick? I, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I think that if they trade um, assets, it will it will be assets that exist already, as in players that are already in the system. Because the Flyers have an incredibly deep system. A lot of people, if you ask around hockey, who have the best, who's got the best systems, the Flyers are right up in the top two or three. Uh, on everybody's list. So that means that there are players that the Flyers have in development that other teams want. And so I think that you have a a better chance of landing what you need from another team in a trade using what you already have as opposed to trading the 11th pick. Now, could they use one of those assets and 11 to get up higher? I think they could, but I'm not certain that there's that much of a difference between you know, four and 12 to really want to give up an asset just to draft another asset. I would think that you're going to use your assets to get veteran players. I think that's the, that's the path that the flyers might take trade an asset to get an, someone that can help right now, not worry about a guy who's going to help you three, four years from now. How about Isaac Ratcliffe? Is there any chance that they look to include him in a deal Sure. In any kind of a moving up, sure. I mean, I got to think that Morgan Frost is probably not untouchable, but he's a guy that they're really going to have to, like, they're going to want to hang on to unless they can get some kind of elite talent. Yeah, I mean, right? so they're, they're, you know, when you look at that, when you go back and look at that trade, I think ultimately, I mean, we won't know until Frost and Faraby actually play in the NHL. But Frost and Faraby for Braden Shen is, I think, going to be a a trade that is kind of akin to. Voracek and Couturier for Jeff Carter. 
I, I think it has that ability to be that. But Anthony, Jeff Carter went on to win a uh, Stanley I, Cup it doesn't, with the, it, it the doesn't Los matter. Angeles Kings. It doesn't matter. I, Which means the, he would have won a Stanley Cup for the Flyers, yeah. Anthony! Yeah, I know. And, and, and I'm going to sit here and tell all the people, and I can't wait to start talking about the Blues, because I'm going to tell all the people who told me Craig Berube is a terrible coach. <laughs> Look at the guy now coaching a team into the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's Hail not the Flyers. To the Chief. Um, right, so, but anyway, I mean, so yeah, it's like, like you know, I I think that that trade has the ability to turn out to be just as good on the Flyers side. Good. And and keep in mind when the Flyers did make that trade for those players, they didn't trade Jeff Carter to the team he won the Stanley Cup with. Yeah, he was then traded a second time to, to the yep. team that he won the Stanley Cup with. So the Flyers didn't trade him to a team to win the Stanley Cup. They traded him to Columbus yep. and got the pick that became Couturier oh, and Voracek. Rest in peace, Columbus. You're going to have a real, real <laughs> ugly uh, next few years. Anyway, um, speaking of a team that is not going to have an ugly year, that, of course, is the St. Louis Blues, who I don't know if you knew this, Anthony. Uh, St. Louis Blues were really bad this year. I mean, I mean woefully bad. And then something happened. Oh, that's right. I love it. I love it. Let's try it out. Let's try it out a cheese ball 1980s song and use it as a rallying cry for the worst team in hockey to make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. No, Anthony, the Flyers already said they're not going to play Kate Smith again. <laughs> so very good, very good. Um, no, the, so you don't know that you don't really know the story behind Gloria. Tell me the story of your people. So th- this is great, and this is one thing. First, before I tell the story of Gloria, you know, we've had discussions in the past about like great sports stories and great upset stories, and you know, um, we compared what happened in. Uh, in soccer with um, uh, what was Leicester City a couple years ago. Leicester City. But Leicester okay. City. Whatever. EI. It's not, it's not whatever, but okay. <sighs> you want to talk about Tottenham and, and Liverpool both uh, staging amazing comebacks in the uh, yeah, UEFA Champions League uh, yeah. semifinals this because, year? Yeah, because that series was what? 1 1. Oh, but the other the team that scored more goals moved on. Yes, that's the best way to decide it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, so you didn't think I knew that, did you? I know that you did because I listened to you complain about it and whine about it, opine about it on Crossed Up as you took a shot. Let me tell you, though, my friend, we're going to have uh, we're gonna have plenty on that uh, on Crossing Broad well, FC. Don't yes, worry. We, we, we argued about that last year versus what Vegas did in their first year in the NHL, You know what was more unbelievable. I, I could argue that what the Blues have done this year, it, it rivals either of those. Because the Blues were the last place team, not just in their division, not just in their conference, but in the entire NHL on January the 5th. The worst team in the league. And here they are, four months later, playing for the championship. That's, un- that's pretty unbelievable. Especially when you look at the fact that they became the first team in, what, I think it was almost 20 years, to even make the playoffs after being in that position after January 1st and to actually reach the final. And in the process, they had, I think their final 34 games had 25 on the road. It was just, it was just incredible. Like what they did. It it was, remember we were arguing about the flyers having their comeback and they were trying to get back into it. And I kept saying, 
this is not sustainable, Russ. This is not sustainable. Well, guess what? If we were in St. Louis, you would have been a genius and I would have been the idiot. Hmm. I'm glad it worked out the other way. But, but, but if we were in St. Louis, I mean, that's, that would have been the same argument. I would have made the same argument there because it just doesn't happen. And then it did. And not only did they get in, they almost, they almost, they almost won their division. Um, they didn't. But then they pull off an upset of Winnipeg in the first round, play, have a, an incredible, just an absolutely incredible series against Dallas in, in the second round. It's going seven games, double overtime. Hometown boy Patrick Maroon, former Flyer prospect, uh, scores the game-winning goal. Um, and, and then they, you know, they, beat, they overcome a terrible call going against them in the, in the conference final against the Sharks to yep. win three straight and win that series to go to the Stanley Cup final with an interim no longer coach uh, who was run out of town here in Philadelphia and Craig Berube. And it's, it's just a really, really cool story. Plus, who wants Boston to win another championship? Oh, God. Right? The whole country is rooting for the St. Louis Blues right now. And that's a really cool thing. It's a cool story to get behind. It's the first time they're in the final in, in 49 years. 105 days since we had a title. Yeah, I know. 49 years since they've been in the final. Um, have never won the Stanley Cup. The last time they were there, they lost to Boston. Now they're going to play them again. Um, so it's a really, really cool story. But how did it begin? Well, Where on. did it before, before you move on, because I think it's great. I just want to put something into uh, perspective, because I, I really hate the way that you, uh, you try to marginalize the Leicester City thing. To give you an idea... There were um, a pair of fans who put uh, a wager down on the St. Louis Blues in January. I think it was when they were in last place, or they were very close to it. And the odds that you can get at that point for them to win the Stanley Cup final were 250 to 1. 250 to 1. I mean, that's, that's rough. Yeah. That's certainly rough. Leicester City to win the EPL back in 2016. 5,000 to 1. It has it, again. Your calls. Again, right, go ahead. It has so to, where did Gloria come from? You're you're so you're so missing. Where did Gloria the point come? You're so missing the point on that. Tell me about Gloria. Go ahead. You're so missing the point on that. Yeah, I, I can't even get into that with you. Because, again, Gloria, it has Gloria, to do with the, it has to do with how much money is being gambled Gloria, on on the sport. Gloria, oh, forget it. Never mind. So how did it begin? It begins with Gloria. And where did Gloria come from? Gloria started here, Russ, in South Philly. So the Blues are in town. They have a game against the Flyers on on January sixth. They've been terrible. Um, they've been complaining how bad that they've been, worst record in hockey. But they arrived the night before, and I guess they have a contact um, who knows some people in uh, one of the New Year's brigades, Jack's brigade, Jack's New Year's brigade. Um, I guess they've been partying there since New Year's Day. Cause it's only a few days later. And it's a private club in South Philly. And a few of the guys, a few of the players, go to the, go to there um, you know, the night before the game, and they're watching – the Eagles-Bears playoff game in this club. And I'm sure you've been in a club before where, you know, they have the audio from the TV on, but that when, the, you know, the game goes to a commercial, rather than, you know, have the audio from the commercials, they'll cut out the feed from the TV and they'll play music in the bar until the game comes back on and then they'll go back to the to the audio for the TV. Um, well, so that's what the, that was what was happening here at, at, this, uh, at this club. But... <laughs> they didn't really have a DJ. So what they were doing every time they went to commercial in the Eagles Bears game, they they cut to Gloria <laughs> by Laura Brannigan um on the um uh on you know in the, in the club until the game came back on. 
And so a few of these blues players were cracking up and laughing at it. Like this was kind of funny. Like the, the song just kept playing over and over again. Well, then the double doink happens. The crowd goes crazy, and the Blues are just having, like, the, these guys from the Blues are just having a grand old time. And as soon as the game's over, the first song that plays after the double doink is Gloria. And everybody's dancing and celebrating because the Eagles just beat the Bears. So the Blues players are like, well, that's got to be our new, we got to make this our new song when we win a game. We'll play in the, in the, in the locker room. Just so happens that that first game against the, that game against the Flyers the next night was the uh, NHL debut of goalie Jordan Binnington. And Binnington shut out the Flyers in that game. So they went back into the locker room and they played Gloria after the game. And from that point forward, the St. Louis Blues have been on a roll all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Mm. That's a pretty Mm-mm. cool story, right? Mm-mm-mm. So City the, of brotherly love, yeah, just leading another team to the Stanley Cup final. It's incredible. It's really kind of cool that it was actually the Eagles double doink in a South Philly bar that turned the Blues into a Stanley Cup finalist after they were the worst team in hockey. It's a great story. It's 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 one of the best sports stories of the year. St. Louis isn't even a good sports. It's not a good sports town. I can't. It's a good baseball I town. Can't. It's a good baseball. Is town. it though? Is it? It is. It is. I know it Scott is. Rowland said it was baseball, but it's a really like. Right? It's a good baseball town. I I I can't tell you it's not. Wasn't it, it earlier this year that people were just absolutely mortified that fans started booing in St. Louis? Yeah, it's Midwest, man. When I was in Chicago for the finals. Flyers and Blackhawks, like they were not, they they were not, they were good to the Philadelphia fans. They weren't rowdy. They were, they were nice. They were. They're pleasant. Canadian. They're the Canadian. Like they are Canadians. Well, depends on what part of Canada you're talking about. There are parts of Canada where they're like that, but yeah, it's the Midwest, man. It's, everything's all wonderful and happy and you rainbows know. and smiles. Yeah, it's no different in St. Louis. All right. Well, great. I'm glad that Philadelphia could help another team get to a championship. You don't find it cool? Oh, you got to be rooting for the Blues. If I had a, of course I'm rooting for the Blues. I hate Boston. Yeah, well, I don't like Boston at all. I don't I like Boston sports fans. I don't like. They're Boston. entitled. Their yeah. accent sucks. Whatever that that um, there was the national poll that Boston apparently finished uh, number one with the sexiest accent. Yeah, if you nuke the entire globe and all that's left is one Boston person, then fine. I guess by default they technically have the nicest accent. But like let's be real. Boston accents are disgusting. It's almost as disgusting as watching their fans. Doesn't matter. It could be Celtics fans where they've got their like their extra rolls under their armpits flubbing out over the uh, the open armholes. It could be the Red Sox where everybody's like, "Oh, I haven't washed this, you know, in in 7 years." Like uh Kurt Schilling didn't wash his uh bloody sock. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? I'm not even going to try to like dignify this awful fan base. By trying to mock their horrible accent, it's disgusting. The Bruins fans are like, oh, yeah, you know, we got Zidane Ochara. Zidane Ochara plays with a stick that is not allowed by the NHL, yet they let him do it because he's a freaking ogre. Like, that's great. Well done, guys. You know what's a disgrace? The New England Patriots. They're horrible. They're lousy. They cheat. Their owner allegedly goes in and takes advantage of uh, of migrant women. That's fine. Let's just let it go because they win Super Bowls. And, oh. Let's also not forget the fact that uh, I know you don't care about the sport, but in soccer, that owner is the owner of a of a major league soccer team, and he does absolutely nothing with it. I think he spends more money on on Asian prostitutes than he does on his team. Anyway, I digress. 
Let's get back to Boston. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. So you got to be rooting for the Blues. You absolutely got to be rooting for the Blues. There's no, there's no question about it. Um, I like some of the guys on the Bruins. I mean, Patrice Bergeron's about as good a guy as there is in the sport. Um, you know, you you want to see a guy like him, you know, succeed. But yeah, the, Boston's won enough. Uh, this would be a really great story. And the good thing is, is that St. Louis got into the final, not San Jose. Not because San Jose, you don't want to see San Jose win. I would have no problem with the Sharks winning, except that they, with their with their goaltending situation, I don't think they would have had a prayer against Boston. Whereas Bennington's at least a legit goalie, and um, he can uh, he can he can hang with with the Bruins, and so I think it gives them a chance. I think the the Blues have a better opportunity to beat the Bruins than uh, than um, the Sharks ever would have. Makes me kind of sad though. Yeah, San so. Jose would have been it would have been cool to watch San Jose, but whatever. No. Um, there was one other thing that I think you wanted to get to. Well, yeah, I, we have one. We definitely have one other item that we wanna that we wanna talk about, Russ. Don't don't you? I, I mean, I'm, I would think you of all people would want to talk about the big thing that that everybody else was talking about, right? I mean, right? I mean, isn't oh yeah, that's right. Kevin Durant getting uh, getting hurt and and the the Warriors returning to form. That one, the <laughs> Super uh, Portland. That one. No, 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 not that. Not Gloria? That. Could it be Gloria? It's no. not Gloria. Bryce Harper uh, almost killing himself. No. I don't recognize that. What is that? You don't recognize it? No, I don't. What is that? That sounds like, um, is that the Lord of the Rings? Is that what that is? <laughs> Game of Thrones. Is that Frodo? Game of Thrones, Russ. It took, it took the, 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 it, it, you know what it did? You wow. know what it did? It the amount finally, of time that that played, I think that was actually longer than the entire season. The entire like, season. Eight. But what it's done, what Game of Thrones did, is it let, um, Henry Winkler uh, off. Oh, is this going to be seriously like a jumping the shark reference? Really? Yes, because I think that Henry Winkler has had to deal with that for however many years that we've all said shows jump the shark. You no longer have to say they jumped the shark. You can do any number of things. Um, they fell under the bricks. They burned the city. They flew the dragon. It, you name it. it that is, this is now going to be the standard for a show completely losing itself at some point and i think that that's what we had and the reason i wanted to talk about this i know we're a hockey podcast why are we talking about um uh game of thrones every interview we've done with a flyers player or coach or, or president or whatever we always ask them what they're watching on tv and invariably you have a discussion with them because you are the game of thrones nerd because you read the books um and, and you have these discussions with them and I figured, okay, well, you know, it, it's a thing. So we got to kind of wrap it up in couple, just a couple minutes, just kind of talk about how this show kind of <laughs> mirrored, the, mirrored the Flyer season. <laughs> it didn't mirror the Flyer season because nobody cared about the Flyer season. A lot of people cared about Game of Thrones. You were one of them. Of course. Of course I was one of them. And how did do they you, handle it, Ross? Well, do you want to do you wanna, do you wanna talk do? about well, I don't know. Do you wanna do you wanna talk about like are you trying to make a reference that, that Ron Hextall and uh, and Dave Hackstall decided that uh, they just wanted to fly through the season as quickly as they could. They weren't gonna worry about player development at all. They weren't gonna try to make a bond with any of their players. They were just gonna try to fast forward, act like it never happened, and then move on to, to go work for Team Canada or Team USA or Team God knows what. 
<laughs> is that what you wanted? Is that what you want? Is that what you're here for? It's uh, good. Keep going, Russ. I like it. Do you want Do you want me to like tell you about how uh, you know we've been building for the better part of the last decade with uh, Claude Giroux as the captain of the team? But right as they're about to get to the end, right as about about to hoist the Stanley Cup, we figure out that Claude Giroux was a fraud all along. That he was just a mopey, whiny fraud the entire time, uh-huh. and that when finally faced with the possibility of of taking the crown, he just rotted in a cell. Like really? That's how we're gonna end it? Really? Yeah. It was bad. When it, when it, given it, the opportunity to end the war between the living and the dead, Claude Giroux gets himself out into the middle of a field, and Travis Sanheim comes in and slays Zdeno Chara? I think not. <laughs> oh, it was something else. It really was. This the whole season. Never mind the. The, the last episode, which was which was really depressing and full of one corny joke after another after another, almost making fun of the fact that we committed uh, eight years of our lives watching this show and talking about it and, and anticipating its its conclusion rather than at least attempt to give us something good. They sat there and mocked us. They mocked us with with their ending. It was so pathetic. It was so pathetic. Uh, it, it made no sense. It, the, the ending of the, sh- the David Benioff made no sense whatsoever. David Benioff and Dan Weiss should be ashamed of themselves because they decided that doing the last two seasons, a total of 13 episodes, we learned, we settled once and for all that you cannot reduce the number of episodes and just extend the length and get the same amount of character development as you could if you have slightly shorter episodes over the course of like 10, right? So you got 13 episodes to finish off the series. Season seven was riddled with issues with logical fallacies or yeah, logical fallacies. Like the whole idea of, Hey, uh, let's all go North of the wall. We won't take any dragons. We're just going to go figure out a way to ambush a small group. We're going to get a white and then we're going to somehow transport it back. We have no way to get it out, but we're just going to transport it back somehow miraculously all the way to the south to Cersei, and she's going to definitely come fight with us, right? No, that was stupid. But that was about the at the extent of the stupidity of Season 7. I mean, there were a few other things. There was the, the Sansa versus Arya, will they, won't they? The, ooh, is Littlefinger really going to be able to turn the Stark sisters against each other? Like, that was dumb. That was a stupid side plot. But that was one stupid side plot. Season 8 was just a damn disgrace. Season 8, where you go into it, and, and this is, like, one thing that I'll, I'll commend, like, the, the ringer on. They had, I think it was... 40 different loose ends that were left open over the course of four se- or of, of seven seasons. And I think their final tally was 13 of the 40 were actually tied up at the end. Dan and Dave didn't decide to just leave the ends untied. They burned the damn thread. All right. They torched it and they left things open that quite frankly, they never should have even opened in the first place if they had no intention of closing them. I'm not talking about characters that never made their way onto the show. Young, uh, young Aegon who, uh, goes by the by the moniker Young Griff coming from Essos with the Golden Company. No, 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 no. Let's not go there. Let's not go with uh, Viterian Greyjoy. No, no, no. We're going to we're gonna stay away from that, okay? We're not going to talk about the disgrace of, of a job that Dan and Dave did, the disservice they did to the entire Kingdom of Dorne. We're going to leave that off to the side. We don't even need to address it. Lady Stoneheart doesn't show up so that Beric Dondarrion could do what exactly? Hold, hold the door? 
hold off for Arya and the Hound to get through to see Melisandre, who's just been, like, chilling by a fire? Nah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. We got the Azor High Prophecy? Nah. Nah, we're not gonna go with that? Nah. Nah, the prince who's promised? Nah. Nah, we're not gonna go with that. We have the whole, the prince or the princess who was promised? No, no, no. We're not gonna, let's not talk about that. The Stallion Mantle World? No, 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 no. Let's not go with any of those things that we've now left open. We're just gonna have Arya do it because it felt like John was the guy who's been doing all of this and we wanted to switch it up. Thanks, guys. That was swell. Bran Stark. Bran, you're the most powerful guy in the entire kingdom, right? Right? You're the guy who's got the power that can go toe-to-toe with the, with the uh, Night King. And what is it exactly that you did, Bren? I have to go now. And rolls his eyes back like the Undertaker takes over some ravens. Doesn't work a dragon. Doesn't work anything of note. He just flies around as a bunch of ravens. Everything happens. Mass genocide happens in the show. And in the last episode, Bran just shows up and Tyrion's like, Well, Bran, would you like to be... Would you, would you like to be the king? And Bran goes... Why do you think I traveled all this way? Dude, you knew this was going to happen? Like, you were going to let millions of people die? You were going to let all this happen? And then you're, you're going to let John go up to the Night's Watch? Why is there a Night's Watch? It doesn't make any sense. There's no logic. The wildlings are cool, man. Like, they were through. The White... The, 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 the Night King's gone. The White Walkers are gone. What are you doing? And these guys got paid a ton of money, and now they're going to move on to their nonsense Confederate show, where, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's talk about slavery. Let's talk about, oh, if the Confederacy had actually kept, uh, had kept slash earned their independence, and there were still slaves, wouldn't that be a great show on HBO? Good way to spend some money. Then when that got hit with blowback, what does Disney do? Oh, let's just give them a trilogy for Star Wars. Let's, let's just let them do it. What could possibly go wrong? I'm done. I'm sorry. They're the biggest hit as Dan and Dave since Dan and Dave, the track athletes in 1990. I'm so upset. Whatever it was, 88. I'm still upset. <laughs> you don't know. You don't even know who I'm talking about. I have no idea. There was Reebok had this major campaign for the Olympics with these two American track and field athletes. Um, I forget what their real what their last names were, but they were Dan and Dave, Dan and Dave, Dan and Dave. And there was commercial after commercial after commercial after commercial. Well, one of them didn't even qualify for the Olympics, failed at the Olympic trials, and the other one made the Olympics but was a total disaster. Um, and uh, it was just perhaps one of the worst marketing campaigns in the history of uh, merchandising. <laughs> and they were Dan and Dave. And now uh, here we are with another Dan and Dave combination that just let us all down. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, and, and Russ, I, I liked your analysis so much, I'm not going to even add to it because I agree with it 100%. Not to mention, it's you got to do another po- record another podcast and it's getting late. So That is true. Yeah. We'll so talk with, more. But, with uh, that, we could... Anyway, we, we did have a five-star review. Let's get oh, to that let's really get the five-star review. I, yeah, yeah. You know, people aren't here to listen to our takes on Game of Thrones. They're here to, to hear their own five-star reviews. And that's what we're here for. That's Know the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Um, we ended up getting a five-star review two days after our last episode dropped, which was a month ago. Not that we've mentioned that multiple times on this show. So uh, let's talk about this uh, newest five-star review from A-Z-Z-Z-N. Oh, that's supposed to be like a play on like boobs, like button boobs. I get it. Oh, okay. Anyway, Best Flyers podcast, five stars. Unbiased, actually hockey talk and very informative. I used to be a fan of Bush. I don't know what Bush is. B-B-S-H. Bush. Boucher? 
but slowly strayed away to other podcasts, and this is light years ahead of everyone else. You should steal Charlie O'Connor and do live post games on Facebook. It would make this podcast the best in hockey. Best in hockey? Well, I, I enjoy that. We're the only Flyers podcast. Charlie O'Connor, he does some good stuff. He does some very nice stuff over at The Athletic. Oh, hey, yeah. Charlie. Charlie's nice guy. Good, Charlie's a good writer. Charlie's a good guy. Good guy. Hi, Charlie. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe we'll talk to Charlie. Hmm. At some point. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Who knows? I like talking to people. It's what we do. We talk into a microphone. So yeah, keep keep sending the five star reviews. We'll uh, if you if you write us one, we appreciate it, and we will read it on the show and thank you profusely. So thanks to as or whatever the name is um, for that five star review. We really appreciate it. There we go. Bingo, bango, bongo. Well, I guess uh, it's time to do the uh, the end of the episode spiel, my friend. And of course, don't forget about the uh, other shows on Crossing Bod Podcast Network, including there are many of them. This crossing broadcast. We didn't record an episode this week, but uh, Kevin Kincaid and I will be back, or uh, some myriad, some mixture of the Crossing Broad staff will be around to do an episode. Anthony, who's doing the dishes? Who's doing the dishes? It's all I hear. And now he's gone. Uh, go listen to cross, Crossing Broadcast where we talk about all of the Philadelphia sports teams. Of course, we've got Crossed Up. Why did you bring? Why did you bring it back on? Crossed Up, a Phillies <laughs> podcast with Anthony. You can find on Twitter at Ansan Philly and uh, Bob Wankel, who you can find on Twitter at BW Crossing Broad, still not using his real name on the website or on Twitter. I'm still going to harass him. Uh, use your name, coward. Um, of course, we've got It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin Kincaid. I've been on there before, and that's a lot of fun. That's all about your uh, your team, your town in Philadelphia Union, who, by the way, Anthony, are actually good this year. Um, this never happens at this point in the season. 7-3-3. Seven, three, and three. They decided to wait until the Phillies uh, were actually kind of good again before they decided to get themselves into legitimacy. They are currently first in the Eastern Conference. So, yeah. As you said, seven three and three. I'm really proud of you. I think you're going to start liking soccer, and that's and that's really nice. No, it's not me liking soccer. It's me just taking thirty seconds to look it up, and then so I sound like I pay attention. Look at you. <laughs> you're amazing. And uh, Crossing Broad FC. That's the uh, show I'm running off to go record now with Phil Kaidel, where we break down all the international soccer leagues. Now, of course, a bunch of them are over now, um, but we are going to be turning our focus to the Europa uh, League final, which is next week. And of course, uh, next weekend. We also have, well, next weekend, not this one coming up, the one after, um, is the UEFA Champions League final. We're going to be doing some stuff, I think, on the site as well, uh, just giving you some like betting trends. So if you're looking to uh, to place a couple bets on the Europa League final or the Champions League final, we'll be doing that. And, of course, there are other international competitions that happen throughout the summer and the Philadelphia Union will be playing. So we'll be uh, talking about MLS as we go here. Um, also, Anthony, the uh, the J League, the Japanese League, they are... Uh, they're in season right now. And, of course, the last show on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network is uh, Broadlines, which is the sports betting podcast hosted by Kyle Scott and uh, a rotating cast of characters, including uh, Jason Zernicki and uh, and Bob Wankel as well. So uh, go check those out. Go check out the uh, the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. That's where a lot of the video content goes for the sports betting stuff. So uh, go check that out. And, of course, as I mentioned off the top of the show, all of the shows on Crossing Broad Podcast Network are now available on not only Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, not only Google Play or Stitcher, but now also available on Spotify. So go give us a review, a five-star rating. Let everybody know about Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Presidential Podcast, Pedialyte Podcast, Pampers Podcast, <sighs> Playoff Podcast. Maybe next year we'll go to the playoffs, Anthony. Anything else you want to say before we head out? No, Ross, I'm good. All right. We will, uh, we'll be back soon with another episode of Snow the Goalie. Until then, follow us on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, at Joy on Broad. Links and everything are in the description of this episode. For Anthony, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you soon.